Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church Podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Our hope is that today's message would be encouraging to your walk with Christ. We also want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. Good evening, everyone. We're on the third lesson in the study of Nehemiah. If you want to go ahead and head to Nehemiah chapter 2, we're in Nehemiah 2, 9 through 20 today, but it's the third lesson. And tonight's uh, title is The Necessity of Knowledge, The Necessity of Knowledge. Uh, A little story about the importance of uh, good knowledge um, as we're heading there. There was an old man, a schoolboy, a lawyer, a doctor, and a social worker all on a plane. The plane only had four parachutes, and the pilot had a heart attack, and it was going down. So we know how this story goes. They had an argument. Who were the four most worthy to have the four parachutes? The social worker. Sorry about this, Pastor. He was the first one. I deserve to live because I protect vulnerable children and support families in need of assistance. So the social worker grabs the first bag, leaps out of the plane to safety. Next, the lawyer. I deserve to live because I advocate for my clients through my sharp wit and massive knowledge. The lawyer grabs the second bag, leaps out of the plane. The doctor, third. I deserve to live because I help diagnose ill people with my specialized training. The doctor grabs the third bag, leaps out of the plane. That leaves only the schoolboy and the old man in the plane, which is plummeting to its death. The old man says, go ahead, boy. Take the last parachute. You have many years ahead of you while I'm just an old man and doesn't have many years left. The schoolboy says, don't worry. We can both take parachutes. Look, there are still two left. The old man stares, stammers, and the young boy continues, Remember the lawyer with the sharp wit and the massive knowledge? He took my school backpack. Did that meet your approval, Em? All right. The necessity of knowledge. Uh, We're going to take a look at verses 9 through 20 of Nehemiah chapter 2. We'll go ahead, and if you want to follow along. Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night and some few men with me. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain, and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. 
Then went I up to the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered to the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did, neither had I yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the works. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that ye are in. Now Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned up the wall of Jerusalem, and be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem of Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will rise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. So far we've learned about the burden that Nehemiah had, the necessity of a burden. You know, he was the king's cupbearer in the palace in Shushan. You know, had a good life. He heard the report from his brother about the destruction of the walls and the desolation of Jerusalem. And his heart mourned for the people of Jerusalem. And he developed a burden that we will see throughout this story and that he puts in to the work for the Lord. The last lesson that we looked at was the necessity of insurance. He needed to be assured of some things that he would be able to fulfill this mission that he had, the project. And so now we move to our lesson three, that he needed some necessity of knowledge. There are some things that he needed to know as he moved forth. And so Nehemiah went out and surveyed the city to find out what kind of condition that he was about ready to look into so that he was able to help. As we looked at before, Nehemiah was not going out to survey the city to see if he actually was going to do the job. He was surveying it to see what he needed um, to finish the job that God had sent him to rebuild the wall. As we are going to talk about today is this knowledge that he needed. The Bible tells us a lot throughout Scripture about the importance of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of God. I will also forget thy children. Knowledge is a very important thing. And not having a certain knowledge we could be destroyed, spiritually speaking. A life could be shipwrecked as far as accomplishing anything from the Lord and for the glory of God. Romans 10.2 tells us, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. So there's today people that could have a zeal for the Lord, but not having the knowledge necessary to perform the works of the Lord. Many churches have all kinds of ministries, but they don't have the knowledge needed for the workings. They don't know how the Spirit of the Lord works. They don't know the gospel of Christ. They are working, but they're working without the knowledge they need. This is why Nehemiah 
didn't want to dive into this project without knowing some things. Today, too many times, we dive into whatever the project is. You know, we get a burden, uh, we get an inkling to do something, and a lot of times we head right into it without knowing what is involved. Solomon and the wise men of Israel regarded wisdom, understanding, and knowledge as worthy pursuits of life. In fact, given the choice between wisdom and material wealth, they opted for wisdom, hands down. For them, clear thinking held the key to success in all areas of life. Proverbs 16.16 16 tells us, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? For the Hebrews, wisdom, hakam, and its derivatives are the most commonly used term denoting intelligence. And this kind of wisdom describes perception with discernment. And too many times today, we see a lack of discernment all around. The original Hebrew word emphasizes accuracy and the ability to sense what is beneath the surface. This virtue represents a manner of thinking and an attitude that results in prudent, sensible living. The wisdom of the Old Testament, however, is quite distinct from other ancient worldviews. Reflected in Old Testament wisdom is the teaching of a personal God who is holy and just and who expects those who know him to exhibit his character in all their facets of life. Solomon and the wise men of Israel prized wisdom, understanding, and knowledge as the way to live prosperously, safely, and effectively. Even so, they recognized the limits of human understanding and human thinking. Most of us know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Also, Nehemiah knew the importance of the gospel. Just as Nehemiah was working to build the walls, God's work here today is building lives. This work begins by winning souls to Christ and teaching them all things whatsoever he commanded. The most serious business in all the world is preaching and teaching the word of God and witnessing the grace of God. Nothing is more important than a person, person coming to know the Lord is their Savior and bringing them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We, as Christians, should be interested in that ministry, just as we talked about week one, how Nehemiah's burden was the wall in Jerusalem. Today, Christians, our burden should be our lost loved ones, our lost family members, co-workers, and those around us that are heading to a Christless eternity. Too many times today, well-meaning people, you know, Christians lead others astray because they don't know how to accurately share Christ with others. You know, do you, do I know how to do that today? As we look into the study, we're going to look at four things that Nehemiah had knowledge of. So we're going to look at four things that Nehemiah had or needed knowledge of. And the first is 
the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation. Nehemiah had heard how bad it was, how bad the wall was damaged, how bad the gates were burned, how much rubble was there, but he needed to know exactly how bad it was to see how much work, to see how much resources were needed in this situation. Today, when we are thinking that someone needs the Lord as their Savior, do we really understand how bad that situation is? A lot of times, the situation is far worse than we think. Just how bad was the soul damaged at the fall? How bad is man? We are far worse than we think. Romans 3.10 tells us, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. By man's standards, they think we're good. You know, we are growing in terms of our intellect. You know, we're growing in many different ways. But how about God's standards? How is man when we look at God's standards? Again, there is none righteous, no, not one. When man is left to himself, does he seek God? No, our heart is wicked. There's enmity between man and God. Man is totally depraved. When we go out to do the work of God, no matter where it is, whether it's the WANA program that just uh, came to an end for this year, uh, Sunday morning Bible study, um, the youth programs, uh, working down at the mission, no matter what program it is, we need to understand the depravity of man. And if there's a lost person in your ministry, how important it is to know what we're dealing with. The hopelessness and helplessness of the task should drive us to our knees in prayer, just as Nehemiah spent much time in prayer. The only way one could ever be a witness is with the Holy Ghost and allowing him to accompany us in this mission. And what the Holy Ghost does in the heart of man, soul winning is impossible apart from the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The second thing that Nehemiah wanted to have knowledge of was the resources that he had available. Nehemiah wanted to know what was there for this project. The stone, the brick, the mortar, how much was needed, how high the walls were, how many gates were left. We need also to know the resources as we're busy about the Lord's work here. The Lord has given us certain resources and certain weapons as we fight these battles. So a few that we're going to look at today, the first is the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It is the word of God accompanied by the power that can bring a person to salvation, the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1.5 tells us, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is an area, uh, a lot of times today, that churches and some Christian colleges you know, have really failed. They're more interested in the emphasis on the methods rather than the gospel itself. Too many times, people are more worried about the evangelism than the actual gospel. They may have all the methods, but do we have the message? Uh, Jesus said as Christians, we should all contend for the faith. 
you know, are we able to fight that battle for the lost souls that are around us? And this message includes repentance. And the problem is there's a lot of times today that that is left out. Repentance is a confession of sin and sorrow and turning from sin. Too many times today, people are only sorry that they got caught. You know, they're not sorry for the sin and are ready to turn around. And not only do we need to leave the direction we're going, we need to turn around and go towards Christ. Also in our message, there needs to be faith. Faith is more than just praying a prayer and believing in our head. Faith is a heart belief. You know, do we believe in our heart? I'm sure many of you uh, throughout your years, if you've been a Christian for any time, you know, have seen people who've made professions with their mouth, but was it really from their heart? You know, where are they now? You know, I, I remember years and years ago, probably 30 years ago, uh, Calvary Baptist used to have a three-on-three basketball tournament, which they still do. At that time, I was going out here to Memorial Heights, and we had a group out there, and, and a young man uh, from our youth group. Um, at the time uh, when they gave the message, a lot of us were out there, were counseling, and uh, this boy came and went over the gospel with him out of Romans, and he prayed to receive Christ as a Savior. Then once basketball season was over, then he disappeared. And then next year he was back again and also went to the three-on-three. Uh, message was given and once again wanted to pray a sinner's prayer to be saved. And the same thing happened about three or four times. And then I've heard that he went on to other places and in other times did that. You know, it was never in the heart. You know, he wanted to pray a prayer. He may have went forward because some of his peers went forward. But was it truly in his heart you know the fruit that we can look at says no again we don't know his heart but the life does not show that it was ever brought down to believing in our heart and so i'm not saying that a sinner has to understand all the bible terminology to be saved but when we're truly saved we want to turn from our sinful ways and we know that there's something that God has for us and we want to get into his word we want to get into a church that teaches that for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness today uh, there's such a group that doesn't want to talk about repentance an easy believism group where we just need to believe a little bit about Christ and that's good enough but that is not the gospel message. Luke 13, 3 tells us, And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. You know, is that being taught today in our churches, in our schools? You know, do we have people that are repenting of their sins and turning from their ways? Also in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, part B, tells us, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. You know, today, churches to be calling uh, not only on Christians to repent, you know, but for unbelievers. Uh, today, you know, this is quite a problem. We have so many large churches, but many times these are filled with people you know, who do not know the true gospel of Christ and what it means to be a Christian. 
The second resource that we have is the ministry of the Holy Ghost. The ministry of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a weapon of our warfare. He's the conviction of the Holy Ghost as we go out. John 16, 8 tells us, And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The he they're speaking about is the comforter here, the Holy Ghost. When conviction comes, the sinner becomes uncomfortable with his sin. There's no pleasure in sin anymore when the Holy Spirit works. And that's both in the life of a believer or the one that is coming to know Christ as a Savior. When we're a Christian, we should no longer be able to be comfortable in our sin when the Holy Spirit makes us aware. We should not be able to enjoy it. You know, there's no neutral ground. When a man, woman comes under conviction, we will either submit to it and turn to the Lord, you know, or our heart will become hardened and we'll keep a distance between the Lord. We need to have the Holy Spirit's conviction as we go out and witness. A third resource is our testimony. Look at Nehemiah 2.18. It says, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Nehemiah had a testimony. He had what the Lord had done for him. He was telling them about the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also the king's words. Nehemiah knew what God had done for him and also what the king was doing for him. Nehemiah had letters from the king. He was not preaching his own method nor coming by his own authority. He was coming under the authority of God and the king. Today, you know, do we try to operate our ministries under our own authority or that of the Lord? In the book of Acts, Luke records Paul's testimony three different times. It was also after Paul had given his testimony that King Agrippa said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. We are commanded to be witnesses. What is a witness but one who simply testifies what they have seen or heard? And specifically, as a Christian, what we have seen or heard that the Lord has done in our life. You know, sadly, today, there's a lot of people who proclaim to be Christians and don't have a testimony. You know, If we're a Christian, you should at least have a testimony of how you came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We should have more testimony than that as we mature in Christ, what he's done for us. But too many times, you know, I hear people who don't have that testimony. You know, if you've been converted and experienced that transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be able to tell it. The last resource that Nehemiah had was the power of prayer. Throughout the book, and we've talked about this much in the last uh, two lessons, Nehemiah was continually praying. He's accomplishing this work through the power of prayer. No one will be eternally effective in the service of God until they learn the power of prevailing prayer. Someone once wrote, 
there is too much working before men and not enough waiting before God. James tells us that effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You may, might, might get discouraged, but pray on. You might not see God working in a situation, but pray on. And it may not seem that our prayers are being answered or are in vain, but pray on. Nehemiah also had the knowledge of the response of the people. He wanted to know about the people and how they would work. Also, if we'll look down at 218, um, we'll move to the bottom part. We just reread it. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. So they were preparing for this job ahead because of Nehemiah. Uh, just turn over to chapter 3, and if you just scan down the, the first dozen or so um, verses, uh, you'll see a lot of the phrase, and next unto him, and next unto him. Nehemiah wanted to see if these men would work and if they would work together. So here in chapter 3, we see this phrase repeated throughout. As they begin the project, they're going to be working side by side with people who are going to live beside them. And they were in unity. Jesus sent out his disciples two by two, which also demanded unity. As we continue our work for the Lord, you know, are we united? You know, as a church, Memorial Heights Baptist Church, and we continue to work this ministry, you know, are we united? You know, to make a difference in this area, you know, we need to show Satan, show our adversaries you know, that we are working together, that there's not a crack here. What a blessing it is for missionaries and evangelists to know that someone is praying for them, labor, laboring fervently in intercessory prayer on their behalf. You know, these men, as we'll find out, are laboring together for this great work that Nehemiah had. The fourth and last thing that Nehemiah had knowledge of is the rebels that he must face. The rebels that he must face. Let's look at Nehemiah 2, 10, and then 19. We'll see them for the first time. When Sanballat, the Hornite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was coming man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. And let's drop down to 19. We'll see them again. But when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant and Ammonite the Geshem uh, the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? So Nehemiah needed to know about his enemies, you know, what he was going to face, what the opposition was if he was going to be effective in this work. He knew his enemies. There are three men that are mentioned here. Um, today, as a Christian, if we are busy about God's work, you and I have enemies too. And there's also three that we can name. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we certainly can see that this church is moving forward when we're attacked by these enemies. Not only do we have to deal with our flesh, but there is a world that is constantly tugging at man's heart, trying to pull him off the ministry of the Lord. The word 
the world and the devil are not only my enemy, but they are also my greatest hindrance in winning others to Christ. You know, when we are too caught up in the world and the flesh, you know, we get so busy, you know, we're unable to share Christ's love with that world that's around us. We are on the losing side of the thing if God is not with us. You know, God has to be with us, you know, to overcome these three enemies. So as we are fighting this fight, as we are serving the Lord, you know, we need to know that opposition comes, but greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. These overwhelming obstacles should drive us once again to our knees, you know, to face this impossible task of serving the Lord and winning people to Christ and building the New Testament church that Christ wants. Many times people today face opposition and are ready to throw in the white flag. Hopefully, you and I are not that case. So as we come today, you know, are we, do we have the knowledge to perform like Nehemiah did? You know, do we have the knowledge of our enemies? You know, do we have the knowledge of the resources that he has given us? Do we know the gospel? And do we know that the Holy Ghost is there to help us? Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Once again, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity, uh, Lord, to be in your house on a Wednesday night. Uh, Father, we thank you for each and every one that's here uh, Father, there are certainly many other things uh, that would distract us from your house. Uh, Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, that this is a night that we could bring our petitions before an all-knowing and all-loving God. Uh, we are certainly a needy people, and we're about ready to bring forth uh, many prayer requests. But, Father, I just pray now that, Lord, that you would give us, Lord, the uh, knowledge that we need to be effective in your ministry, both here in this local area and Father, may you give us the encouragement. May you give us the burden that we need. Again, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301 724 5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful.